Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, December 8th. I'm Blair Krokoff. Are the Chiefs the NFL's top team? At times, it looked that way this season, but it's becoming difficult to make the case after last week's loss at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chiefs lost a fourth-quarter lead, and in dropping the game, they've lost the number one seed in the AFC playoff picture to the Buffalo Bills. Would be a great season to have that number one seed with all the competitive teams in the AFC. On today's show, the Stars coverage team talks about the team's concerns heading into Sunday's game at the Denver Broncos. The conversation started as a Sportsbeat Live broadcast. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from Overcast, Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best. Um, and with you, please send us your questions and comments and talk Chiefs with us. Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell are in the house. So is Jesse Newell. Um, and I know Vahe is around here somewhere because I saw him just a few minutes ago. Um, we're all coming from different places. <laughs> and um, uh, and I think if we see Vahe, we'll notice him in his car. Um, so uh, hopefully Vahe will join us here in, in, in a few minutes. So um, hello, guys, and good to see you. We uh, did not get a chance to, to catch up after the game on Sunday at Cincinnati. Herbie did. Um, Herbie uh, finally connected, and we had a good conversation about that game. Chiefs are playing at the Denver Broncos on Sunday, but I think there's still a lot left to uh, discuss and unpack from Sunday's game at Cincinnati. And first things first, Herbie, um, injuries are are interesting this week because um, I, I guess I didn't see the injury list, uh, but Patrick Mahomes had a headline. Uh, there was a, 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 a Mahomes foot injury headline in the, you know, in KansasCity.com this week. What's the latest on Mahomes, his foot, and what kind of role did that play in the game on Sunday? I don't think it played too much of a big role because I, if I'm not mistaken, he, he heard it on that last sack and he limped off to the sideline. But, you know, he came out on after the game. He and Andy Reid both said, yes, yeah, it's nothing to be too concerned about. He'll be OK. And then Wednesday, Mahomes emphasized it's just a bone bruise. It's not limiting him. In fact, the injury report showed that he went through a full practice. Uh, that was a very deep injury report. Thirteen players on there, two limited which were Kadarius Tony and Nick Bolton, and then 11 players were participants, including Joe Tooney, who missed his second straight game last week. So hopefully he's on track to return to the starting lineup as well. All right, that's a significant. Joe Tooney's missing the, the game on Sunday at Cincinnati was a bit of a surprise, right? I mean, I, I didn't see that coming. And, um, and of course, Kadarius Tony hasn't played in a couple of weeks now. How about the, what's the update on McCole Hardman? Yeah, McCole Hardman obviously landed on injured reserve on November the 17th with an abdominal issue. Uh, he is actually eligible to return to the starting lineup or be designated as return to practice starting next week. Uh, and it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Andy Reid said Wednesday, he, you know, he put the weight back on. He's running now. And his favorite catchphrase, there's a chance Hardman might be able to return in time for the game next week against the Houston Texans. Yeah, I'm watching the Chiefs these last couple of games without Hardman and thinking, boy, the Chiefs could use that speed. They could they could use that veteran presence at, at his position um, as they go forward. All right, on to uh, the Chiefs on the field and 
Jesse and Sam, I have a question that uh, that requires just a, a one word answer. Uh, actually, for all of you guys, we'll start with Sam. Um, are the Chiefs the best team in the AFC, Sam? No, but I mean, I haven't thought they've been in the best team in the AFC all year. I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Okay. Jesse? I'm in agreement. Uh, I probably would have told you two or three weeks ago the Chiefs were the best team, um, but now I would switch back to the Bills. But I think that's why it's so important for the Chiefs to hold serve these last few weeks and hope that somebody like Cincinnati can knock off the Bills because when you're talking about two teams who are pretty equal, I would say they're pretty close, the Bills and the Chiefs, that game at home is going to make a lot of difference and also potentially getting a bye so you don't have to play a team that can trip you up in the first round. That would be a big deal as well. So. Um, I think it's really important down the stretch here to see which team comes with that one number one seed because I think that makes them potentially the, the heavier favorite to come out of the AFC. Yeah, and Herbie, look, I was going to start this question by asking if the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. And look, I, I'm uh, let's not even go over there. I just wanted to. Uh, how about the AFC? In your opinion, are they are they the best team? They're one of the best teams. I mean, right now you have this 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 log jam at up the top. You know. I, I tend to agree with Jesse when the Bills are healthy, and obviously they just lost Von Miller. But when when they are healthy, they they are the cream of the crop in my opinion. But as of right now, because now Von Miller's out, it's going to be very fascinating to watch these last five games. And as the two gentlemen on the panel pointed out, the Bengals still have to play the Bills. So what we end up doing now is scoreboard watching these last five games because. As we all know, anything can and will happen on any given Sunday. But the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the AFC, also one of the best teams in the NFL. But right now, they're not the best team. Yeah, listen, I'm not used to be the Chiefs being one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, you know, for a couple of years, uh, they were the best team in the AFC. And, you know, it's, it's funny. When Patrick Mahomes became a starter, uh, he was chasing the Patriots. And they lost to the Patriots in the regular season, and then they lost to him in the AFC title game. And it was clear at the time the Patriots were the best team in the AFC. After that, it was it became Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are on the ascent, and they cashed in with a couple of Super Bowl appearances and a victory. And um, I got used to the idea of the Chiefs being the best team in the AFC and Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, being the best quarterback. And uh, and it's everybody else chasing the Chiefs. I'm having to get used to the idea that that's no longer the case. And uh, but the Buffalo Bills, of course, have come into Arrowhead and, and won this year, won in Arrowhead for the second straight year. And um, it's been three losses in 17 games for the Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I don't know how you can conclude anything other than uh, that the Bengals uh, are a better team. They just – how else can they prove it? Um uh, Jesse, am I wrong in that? Or if, I don't know if, if this is one of those, if they played 10 times, they'd split or whatever. But um, what, what else do the Bengals have to do to prove that they're the better team? Well, they have the scoreboard part of it. Yeah, I mean, they were slight underdogs in all those games, and they ended up winning them. Um, when you play good teams, it comes down to small margins. I look back at the third and 11 play that the Bengals were able to complete, you know, a half second more Joe Burrow gets sacked, you know, a half inch to the left and George Karloftis knocks it down a half inch up on the throw and Joshua Williams knocks it away. But you give credit where it's due. The Bengals made that play. You go back to the chiefs play their last third down. They have Travis Kelsey running open in the middle against drop eight. They've got him schemed open. MVS makes a nice adjustment on his route. He's wide open on the outside, but 
you can't get a guy blocked uh, rushing three. And so those are the small details when you're facing good teams that the Bengals made their play, the Chiefs didn't make their play, and that ends up, you know, making the difference. That along with Travis Kelsey's fumble, which I think if he doesn't fumble there, the Chiefs go on and win that football game. But I, I do want to just kind of be honest about this, and I, I want Sam to chime in as well because he's been all over this. I mean, he's been on this from the start. You talk about the Chiefs being the best team. I think with Tyree Kill and the trade that they made, this is what you get. And what you potentially get is that the Bills went all in to pass you, and potentially they did. But we talked about this last week. Who would you pick to win the Super Bowl from the AFC in five years? I'd probably pick the Chiefs. How about 10 years? I'd probably pick the Chiefs. That all comes about because they traded Tyreek Hill this offseason to take a small step back this year. So the fact that we're still talking about the Chiefs and Bills being neck and neck is a good thing. And even if they might not be the best team, were the Rams the best team last year? No, but they won the Super Bowl. Were the Bengals better than the Chiefs when they were seven-point underdogs at Arrowhead? Probably not, but, but that's what being the best team buys you. It buys you seven points in the AFC Championship game. Then you have to go in a one-game sample and win it. So I'll turn it over to Sam, but I do think if we just take a big step back and look back four months ago, and you would have said, hey, the Chiefs are 9-3. and three. They're neck and neck with the Bills. They've got a 40-ish percent chance of getting the one seed, and they traded Tyreek Hill, and their offense looks almost as good. I think that's probably something you sign up for, especially when looking at this from the rookie class and saying, hey, this team might be set not only to win this year, but five years down the road, three years down the road, 10 years down the road as well. There you go. Making sense, Jesse. Yeah, I, I, I actually still am not convinced that the Bengals are, are better than the Chiefs. I just think stylistically they match up really well with the Chiefs. Um, you know, their weakness is on the offensive line and – for whatever reason, the Chiefs are, aren't able to take advantage of that weakness. And I think it has to do with the fact that Chris Jones plays on the inside. Mm -hmm. The Bengals are weak on the outside at tackle. The Chiefs don't really have the guys to take advantage of that. The way every other team makes Joe Burrow the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, he, he sits back and operates with a lot of time against the Chiefs. So I, I think it's a really bad matchup for the Chiefs. Um, but I also think it's one they're going to have to contend with. You know, yesterday we heard from Andy Reid, and he talks so much about the fact that, look, they've, they've moved on from that game. And they maybe have moved on from that game, but they can't move on from that team because it, it's, it's a reckoning that's coming in January. They're going to have to play potentially, you know, if they get the two seed, they potentially could have to play the Bengals and the Bills to get through. And I think we saw last year the way that playing the Bills and the game before the AFC Championship game had an effect on that game. When you have to play two really tough games, there's a little bit of a, hey, we, we got we got through that one. We survived that one. And then, oh, by the way, you still got a really tough one waiting on the other side. And I think that's the danger of losing the game the Chiefs just lost. Having said that, I still think the Chiefs end up with the number one seed. I don't think they lose again. You know, I, I – Probably this week in Denver or maybe the, the last week in Vegas are going to be the smallest lines. And I still think they're going to be at least touchdown lines. Now, the Raiders are playing better. They might have something to play for in Week 18 that, that changes that a little bit. Um, but the Bills have a tough schedule left. They've got some tough games. It's not just the Bengals. You know, they play two teams that they've lost to this year. So it, I still think the Chiefs end up with the number one seed. And to Jesse's point, when you go through what we envisioned as, you know, none of us would call this a rebuilding year, but I think we, we would sort of call it, you know, a, a little bit of taking a step back, we thought, even if it was just a step. 
And if you can still wind up at the number one seed and play these types of games we're talking about at home at Arrowhead Stadium, it's it's still. I mean, the Chiefs are nine and three. The I, they're still in a pretty good spot, even if we determine by an eyelash that that the Bengals are the better team, or by an eyelash that the Bills are the better team. Yeah, I feel kind of spoiled uh, watching this team in the, in the Mahomes era. I really do. Um, the, the Chiefs may end up with a better record than they had last year. They were twelve and five a year ago. They were nine and three. I don't see two losses for the Chiefs the rest of the way. Um, I think they're going to end up thirteen and four, fourteen, you know, fourteen and three, which is amazing, right? Um, uh, the, the, I mean, they'll be favored to end up fourteen and three. Um, so. I, I agree, Blair. I do think there's one difference between the games they've lost this year and the games they lost last year. Last year, they could point to a lot of games at, at self-inflicted mistakes as the reason they lost. And look, Jesse mentioned a few things that could have gone the Chiefs' way in the Bengals, but I, I actually think the Bengals' list of that is longer. Um, they could have stopped Patrick Mahomes by a foot on fourth down. Um, they could have scored at the end of the half. That's that's a 14 point swing there. So both teams in this game had something to point toward last year. A ton of the games the Chiefs lost. It was hard to find a way that the other team could have won by a larger margin. But, man, you could have pointed to nine or ten things that went against the Chiefs. And I think that should be a little bit of a wake up call for the Chiefs this week is that there are some teams that are on your level now. There are some teams that don't fear you anymore. It was clear based on, and of course, none of us were in the Bengals locker room, but we read the quote sheets. It was clear based on those quote sheets, the Bengals every bit expected to win that game. They weren't celebrating, I think, like we might have seen in 20 or 21, where, wow, the, the, you know, beating the Chiefs is a really big deal to the cream of the crop in the NFL. I think their, their defending Super Bowl champion tag is literally gone, but I, I think some of the, the luster of them winning that is, is gone a little bit too. Hey, uh, Herbie, Rob asks, uh, has Orlando Brown's drop-off been because of the uh, missing Tooney? I, I, listen, they absolutely miss Joe Tooney, right? And uh, I, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that Orlando Brown's was having a great season with Joe Tooney, but ha, have you noticed the, the Brown's play being impacted by the absence of Tooney? I, I really haven't. But, you know, it goes down to – Tackles also rely on the guards to help out in blocking schemes. And when you when you go down from Joe Tooney to Nick Allegretti, and Allegretti is a capable backup, but he's not Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney is an all-pro slash Pro Bowl caliber type guy. And if your left tackle is missing an assignment or missing a block, he knows to peel off and, and get the guy that Brown is responsible for. So maybe it does have a little play in there with Tooney being down in the last two weeks. You know, um, I, I go back to the uh, to the Mahomes. Uh, the, what, what, what I guess was credited as a sack, right? In, the, in that uh, in, in the Bengals game on the third and the, the third and three, um, that was you know, five against three, and the Chiefs couldn't keep you know three from winning that battle, and that was you know. I just I just shook my head at, at that and, and wondered how in the when the Bengals dropped eight and the Chiefs still schemed a couple of you know a couple of targets open, they couldn't avoid um, Mahomes going down and that was uh, that that play was pretty illustrative of the way that the that game went in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I actually disagree with Herbie. I, I think Orlando Brown really missed Joe Tooney. Um, and that that's the best example of it. You know, we usually see Orlando Brown get beat around the outside um, with speed moves. We saw it in his very first training camp in St. Joe, and nothing's changed with that. He got beat on the inside on that. And I think, you know, the, the Bengals quasi showed blitz on that, but I don't think anybody thought they were bringing it. I, I think that the offensive line probably anticipated they would bring the three they did. And therefore, you know, it's Orlando Brown's job to push a guy more toward the inside where he feels like he has help, and that, that help never came. Yeah, the guys, this is the play breakdown we did with uh, Brett Tabo this week. And so if you go back and watch this play, right afterwards, Creed Humphrey, we all know him, Mr. Stoic, doesn't really have emotion, never shows it. After the play, he raises his hands above his head and throws him down in frustration. If you watch the play, Allegretti goes and helps Creed Humphrey on his block and leaves Orlando Brown on an island on the outside. And again, we don't know the exact protection. We don't know exactly what the Chiefs called there. But I can't think of a reason for Creed Humphrey to be upset other than that they messed up that particular call. And you also see Allegretti kind of in the middle of it kind of turn his head left to see kind of what Orlando Brown is dealing with. So again, it's speculation. We don't know this for sure. But uh, that seems to me like a play where Creed Humphrey made a call or potentially made a call to say, hey, I got this guy in front of me. Don't worry about it. I'm a good player. I can take, you know, you go kick out to the outside and help Orlando Brown. And Allegretti went and helped Creed Humphrey. And so that's the sort of communication stuff. If it happened, we don't know that for sure. But that's the sort of stuff that it wouldn't happen with Joe Tooney. So I agree with you, Blair. I think Joe Tooney being out, we didn't expect it. He was out the previous week for the first time in his career with the ankle injury. Andy Reid said yesterday at his press conference that he was really close to going, but couldn't quite get that push off and they want to get it fully healthy. So this is rare for him to be sitting out, and I do think it was maybe a bigger deal than we let on that uh, he was out of that game because maybe you can't, on a 70-play basis, it's more difficult to parse out you know, exactly how Joe Tooney impacts instead of Nick Allegretti. But on that one play where they really needed that one play, it sure looked like there was some miscommunication there, and a lot of that is because you got a backup in there, and he potentially didn't get to a guy he was supposed to get to. Hey, um yeah, look, and there was, you know, Kelsey was open. Looked like Jarek McKinnon had a chance to, um, you know, to, to catch a pass and get at least a few yards back, right? Make it a fourth and short situation. I don't think he was uh, – that. that's an automatic first down um, by any stretch. But then, of course, um, the field goal unit comes on. And, Sam, I know you were pretty uh, – pretty felt pretty strongly about the – you know, the play call so strongly, not only did you write about it, but you ask, you know, you ask Andy, you know, that was the leadoff question in the postgame press conference about that decision. And I thought Andy dismissed it too easily. Um, I've heard him, you know, and I've even asked him in the past about decisions that he's made. He usually goes into a little bit more of a uh, explanation, but this time he, it, it almost seemed like it, you know, it, it was um, it was obvious to him that that was going to be a field goal attempt situation and not give the ball to Mahomes. And maybe look, maybe at the time the the, the foot injury was more than we understood with with, with Mahomes, but it doesn't seem to be an issue this week. So, um, what did what did the decision? I, I still can't reconcile that. Yeah, I, I can't either. But Blair, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Which I thought it was an obvious decision, but Andy Reid thought it was a really obvious decision too, and. Um, I do think it's a bit concerning that, you know, because you, you mentioned it, Blair, it was the first question that I, that I asked after the game, but I asked two follow-ups too. And one of them was, well, I recognize you only have 40 seconds to make the decision and execute the decision. 
and you know heck bringing the fuel unit on you know that operation requires 16 seconds so you have to make that decision quickly but was it a difficult one and he said well i, I felt like he was going to make it and the problem is the concentration on whether or not he was going to make or miss rather than the concentration that they even attempted the field goal at all. Just if you make the field goal, the ways to win that game are to make a 55 yard field goal, which is not at all a chip shot, um, especially, I mean, it was a cold day in Cincinnati and I recognize they have turf, but it's a, it's a cold day. The ball doesn't travel as well. So you got to make a 55 yard field goal with the kicker who has not had his best season you have to get a defensive stop at some point because by kicking the field goal, you are turning over the clock to the Bengals in that situation as well. And there's plenty of time left. They've got three timeouts. They've got three minutes. You're going to have to get a stop. The clock is not going to be your friend there. Then you've got a score still. And whether or not that, that score comes in regulation or that score comes in overtime, that's three things that I would actually put the probability all less than 50-50. Maybe the field goal is more about 50-50. You don't kick the field goal. You basically need to convert a fourth and seven, which I do think is about a 50-50 play. And then you've got control of the clock. And by the way, you're not playing to tie the game. You're playing to potentially take the lead in the game. And the, the play that Jesse has written about twice now, the third and 11 that the Bengals did convert, is really telling to me because they trusted their quarterback to go make a play. And that's exact decision that the Chiefs had, even though it seems like two different decisions, one's a fourth down, one's a third down, whether or not you're just going to kill clock or not. But it comes down to the same question. How much do you trust your quarterback in the situation? And like the Bengals even said after the game, Joe Burrow said, we know the quarterback they have on the other sideline. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs did not play that into the, the scenario, the end of the equation that Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. And, you know, any decision that's difficult, I'd probably side with the one that puts Patrick Mahomes on the field. Sam, I'm Mr. Analytics, and I've come up with an analytics-free fourth down decision-making, which is figure out what the other team wants you to do and do the opposite. Figure out what the other team wants you to do and disappoint them. Fourth and seven, the game on the line. What, is the, what do the Bengals want the Chiefs to do in that situation? They want them to kick the field goal because at worst, they're going to get the ball. They're going to drive it down. They're going to win the football game. And it takes Patrick Williams off the field. So we can talk analytics, information, all that stuff, all we want to. This is a solved problem. This is stuff you need to look at in April and May so that when you have those 10 seconds to make the decision, you already have somebody deciding for you or saying in your ear what the decision is. Clearly, regardless of team, situation, whatever, the call was to go for it no matter what your team is. But even like the anti-analytics people will say, well, you need to take this into account and this into account, and this into account. If you're taking that into account and your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes, you should be more aggressive. So I'm with you, Sam. I, I don't understand on any aspect where this makes sense to, to kick the field goal. And I also want to give Andy credit because he made a tougher decision earlier on the fourth and goal from the three to go for it. And they succeeded. And he put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and they got the touchdown. So I thought that was a tougher call than the fourth and seven. Andy Reid made the right decision. It was the reason he was in the position they were in to potentially win the game late. And then the easier decision he didn't make. So, uh, again, that, that's sort of where I go with this whole process. If you want to be anti-analytics, you can say, okay, Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, go for it. If you want to be analytics, you can say, okay, fourth and seven, you can have the ball and keep it and go score a touchdown. You want to go for it. And then if you want to just be no analytics, you can say, what does the other team want you to do? The Bengals 
hundred percent wanted the Chiefs to kick that field goal. So uh, I think you can look at this in so many different lenses. And it has been sort of interesting to hear Andy Reid's explanation on this. He just kind of thought field goal possible, got to kick field goal. And to be honest, too, to think about him, maybe if you're a coach on the hot seat, we've seen Brandon Saley kind of do a 180 because he wants to keep his job. He wants to be less aggressive, that sort of thing. Andy Reid is on the total opposite end of that spectrum. Nobody is firing Andy Reid for his fourth down decisions. So he even has more leeway to be aggressive and didn't use it. So we'll see if he changes from this point on. But based on the history, it sure doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a really important topic, Blair, because, first of all, the Chiefs play in a lot of close games. Um, they're going to play in close games in, in the playoffs. And and I made the same point in my column that, that Jesse made, which is, the Bengals had to be pretty thrilled to see Patrick Mahomes leaving the game. And that's always been something that I've, I've asked myself too. I mean, if you're the other team, you've got to be saying, all right, well, we have the stop. And the Chiefs had an opportunity to say, not yet. And the Bengals went ahead and um, made the exact opposite decision not to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. But the, the Chiefs converted two fourth downs in that game, and both of them led to touchdowns. One of them literally on that play, and one of them would eventually lead to a touchdown. Andy Reid didn't really have to look far for evidence of the, the potential playoff payoff for for going for these. And I, I think you know the Chiefs are, are nine and three. We already mentioned that that's probably a little bit better than most of us had them going into the season. They could be eleven and one this year if if not for a couple of late game decisions. You know, the, the Colts game, they don't they don't burn their timeouts at the end of the game. They don't give Patrick Mahomes an opportunity to drive down the field and tie. And the, this decision we're talking about now, and look, there's no there's no guarantee the Chiefs get the fourth down. There's no guarantee even if they get the fourth down that they win the game. But they give themselves the best chance to win the game. And there is somebody in Andy Reid's ear on this. You know, Mike Frazier is, is a statistical analytics coordinator is his title. And, look, I'd be interested to know whether or not his message is just not getting through or if he's not sending this message at that time, but either one of them is an issue. And it's an issue that popped up in this game and potentially could pop up in a, in a really big game in January. And that kind of plays into what Aaron asks about uh, play calling, getting in the way um, and letting Pat do his things. I think, listen, if we were up to Pat, he would have stayed on the field. Right. And even, even as he was gimpy would, would like to have, you know, he, he you know, he's always, um, you know, you know, doing this and, you know, next play and uh, wants to stay on the field. It was, it, it was absolutely the Andy call on, on this one. Um, and, and Rob asks also um, with it, with the chiefs easy schedule remaining, should, um, should they, you know, do some load management here? Um, you know, it looks like they're, you know, look at the West clinched either this week or, or the following week. I think playing for the number one seed is just too important for this team to uh, to do the NBA load management type thing. And uh, but you, you guys agree? Yeah, yeah, I think you put it well, Blair. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The Chiefs have a lot to play for. I mean, that one seed is a huge deal. Uh, the the big thing, I mean, it's, it's just so advantageous. It used to be the two one seeds or the two top seeds got it. Obviously, the Chiefs backed into the one. They won the Super Bowl, which was a huge deal at the time. You know, the, yeah. the very famous Kevin Harlan calling two games at once game, uh, you know, in that final week. But, yeah, these games are really important for the Chiefs. I mean, if they can finish 14-3, and three, as Sam said, they've got a great chance to get that one seed, and it gives you that double advantage. It gives you the advantage of there's not the 20 to 25% chance that some random team like whoever the Jets knocks you off in the first round, 
and it also gives you the buy where um, we just mentioned it. Hurry just mentioned it. 13 guys on the injury report. I mean, a bye week at this time of year is a big, big deal. So, yeah, they got to play these games out. Um, obviously, they'll look at the Vegas game. If there's just no way for them to move up for some reason, if they lose a game between now and then and they're they blocked in the two seed, I'm sure Andy Reid will take advantage of that. But they have too much at stake in these final few games. So I don't anticipate anybody to be resting at least until the final game. And even then, I don't think it's going to happen because I think they'll still be in play for the one seed. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our producer, George Howard, for putting together the live stream and the podcast. Tip of the cap to the Stars coverage team of Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.